This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. Welcome to the showrunner, where we have one goal, teach you how to develop, launch, and run a remarkable show. Ready? Welcome to episode 12 of the Showrunner Podcast. I am your host, Jared Morris, VP of Marketing for Rainmaker FM, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, Johnny Naster, host of Hack the Entrepreneur and continued defender of humanity. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely awesome. So I wanted to start this episode by, well, I just want to say, you know, as we started this podcast together and you know we've become friends and we follow each other on social media accounts and I've enjoyed following you on Instagram when you got when you and your family went on your big road trip and you know kind of get to see some pictures of you and your kids and you know seeing you outside of this realm of podcasting which is where most of our interaction comes and seeing you just as a guy and as a family man and it got me to thinking you know I don't have kids yet and so that obviously gives me a little bit of extra time, I guess you could say, for, for some of the hobbies and podcasts and things that I do. But you've really been able to balance being a successful serial entrepreneur who still has time for podcasts and for you know hobbies and, and with having a family and, and raising kids. And I know that a lot of our listeners are able to identify with that. And so I figured with Father's Day coming up, it would be a good time to ask you just how do you balance that? You know, Is there a secret to, to balancing all of that or, or any hacks, I guess, that, that, that you found that kind of help you do that? I guess this secret that I have would be to make it a priority. Uh, it's, I mean, one of my most enjoyed things to do is to hang out with my wife and daughter. So it's not, it's a priority, but it's not like it's job and it's not like it's hard. But, and then that being said, I work really, really hard um, when I'm working. And then that if if I find myself getting distracted and just like, whoa, I've been on Twitter for the last like 20 minutes, then I'll probably just close my laptop and be like, hey, let's go do something for a couple hours because I know I'm just going to waste the next couple hours. When I'm working, I want to be working. And so. So, so, wait, so when you say you close the laptop, because so you're saying close the laptop, get away, do something non-work and then come back more focused. Totally. I, OK. Yeah. Although I used to just. Like a couple of years ago, I would have just sat here for eight hours and like told myself that I was working, but I didn't accomplish anything. Now, when I have work time, then I'm working like hardcore. Like I either have four or five interviews set up to do all in a row and then publish a couple episodes for the next week. And I'll do those. Right. And so typically right now, because we're on holidays for the summer, I'm working Monday to Wednesday really, really hard and like full days. So my wife and daughter now, I mean, I brought them to a beautiful city. So it makes me really happy that they are out at a pool, swimming outside right now, hanging out, having lunch, just enjoying themselves. And that makes me happy. And then I'll spend all evening and late afternoon. They come home around three I'll be done and we'll spend the rest of the day together. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, I still work, but I'll only work for maybe four hours a day. 
and then the weekends I'm totally off. So I just I make it a priority because it has to. Otherwise, it's just a spiral of work, 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 which I've been through and you have to go through at certain times. But it's just something you got to work with. Right. And this structure doesn't stay all the time during the winter when it's well, there's not as much cool stuff to do outside. Anyways, I will work harder or if a launch is coming up like we might have one, then I have to work harder for the next couple of weeks. And that's totally cool. That's just how I kind of structured my life and my family's totally good with it and happy with it. Did you just slip in some breaking news there about a launch? I may may have. (laughs) Interesting. All right. Maybe maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. What do you say? Yes, let's do it. (laughs) Okay. But for now, let's get to the main topic of this week's episode. And really, last week's episode, Showrunner episode 11, is a good precursor to this one. So certainly listen to that one if you haven't. Uh, We're going to talk about the best ways to record yourself and a guest during an interview. And so we will get into that main topic right now. So let's talk about this, John. You know, again, for people who listened to our last episode, we... We regaled you with the stories of our audio misadventures <laughs> that we <laughs> went through recording episode 11, which, I mean, it, just if you add up all the frustrations from that one episode, it by far outpaces the rest of any frustrations we've dealt with recording all of the other episodes of the show, because you really haven't had any. And then we had all of these hurdles. And so, and you're going to have that at times when you are doing interviews and you're doing interviews online over Skype, there's a lot of different variables, things that could potentially go wrong during the interview. So let's spend this episode talking about what are some of the best ways to record because you got to balance making it easy for your guest, but also getting the best audio and you having done as many interviews as you have and me having as done as many as I have. So I'm sure that we have some good lessons that we can share. So let me kick it over to you and just any opening thoughts on this general topic of the best way to record you and your guest. Um, well, just to backtrack a little bit, uh, because we had that crazy amount of issue recording the last episode. It took yep. us four tries, I believe. And then after we recorded it the final time, we actually both heard one from the editor of Rainmaker.fm and then one from my editor for my show was – we were getting this white noise in the background and we were both like totally worried about it. And both of the editors were like, nah, don't worry about that. We'll get rid of that instantly. Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny. Right. So it's once, if you are either an editor yourself or you learn audacity or garage band or addition really well, then you can do these things yourself or you can hire editors who can get rid of a lot of things and really like make your sound a lot better. So yeah, that was that was just an interesting thing because we really struggled with it. We tried like so many times, like we can't record like this. This white noise would be terrible. Yeah, and then both editors like, nah, don't worry about it. Yeah, oh, so okay. yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> some of the misadventures were self inflicted, but it was a good learning experience. I mean, yeah, because we now we would just now well we have that noise in our ears right now, and it just doesn't matter to us. So that's yeah. it's an interesting thing. But let's get to recording. So yeah. to me, a big part of recording an interview is simplicity for my guest. As with every stage of getting a guest to come on my show, from reaching out the first time to them booking, to them finding out about my show, to being on it, I have to lower the barriers to entry for them. Otherwise, they are, if there's too much friction, they're just, they're not going to come on my show. It's hard for them already. They're busy people. And so 
Because I always hear this talk of people like, well, Skype isn't very good. So what if I use this new fancy thing I heard about? Or what if I get them to record on their end? It's like, I mean, if you're in a technical space and that's not a big deal for your guest, but I mean, I'm in an entrepreneur space. People who, I mean, they work online, but in like spreadsheets and stuff, not in like what now I have to download something and like record and then email. You know what I mean? It just, it it would be way too much. I think 90% of my guests would be like, I can't do that, John. And I would totally understand. So to me, there's a balance where you got to make it so it's good enough. And Skype for me out of 90 something episodes now has been totally good enough because my editor is good and he can make the sound. And people always tell me, it's like, your show sounds great. And it's always done via Skype with people all around the world and myself all around the world. And it's been totally fine. So that's- yeah, and, and I, and I agree with Skype because I, I've gone through the same thing. Like you, if look, if you use Skype, you know, you're going to run into some frustrations every now and then with the white noise or whatever it is, you know, a connection that just isn't that great. You know, we've all heard the Skype war stories, but like you said, it's worth using because so many people use it. And I've run into it. You know, I like Google Hangouts. Um, I, I don't think you get quite as good at audio from Google Hangouts. So I think if you're doing an audio-only podcast, it's not the best option. But the other thing with Google Hangouts is it raises the barrier for the audience a lot of times because most people are comfortable with Skype, but Google Hangouts for a lot of people is kind of a new thing, and it's different, and it's a little bit trickier to kind of get set up. So I, It's goofy. I, it's goofy. It is a little goofy, yeah. <laughs> it really, like, it's always, every time I have to, like, follow somebody's link to get, it's always something, and I think that I'm pretty technically adept in that way, but it's like, why is this so hard? Like, yeah. but it's Google. That's- well, and, 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 but here's the thing is you've got to know that. And so whatever, whatever your process is, understand what the weak points of it are and have a system in place to overcome those when they go wrong because they will. So an example with Google Hangouts is they'll crash every now and then, and it can be kind of tricky to get back into the Hangout. You don't want to have to, while you're hosting, have to go send it, you know, invite the person again. That's why before every Hangout, like I do with you when we do our showrunner huddles, I just send the link to your email. So that way you don't have to go into Google Plus and look for the invite. You can just click the link, and if I've already invited you, you can get in. And if you get knocked out, you can get back in, and it doesn't disrupt the host or whoever's talking. You don't need a producer there to handle all of this. So I think it's important to understand whatever the weak points are. Another example is with Skype, with Call Recorder, having having both people, if they can, like on a show like this where we can both record, have both people roll the call recorder. So just in case something goes wrong on one end, you've got another one. So just whatever you can do, you know, wherever there are potential weak points, try to have something in place to help you overcome those. Um, but I want to I get back to something you said about uh, with Skype because – you mentioned something that, hey, we can record with Skype, we can have this white noise because you know, we have editors who can fix that. Most people don't have an editor, uh, as we're able to use, that we can throw a, a, an audio file to that doesn't sound the best. But I don't, that's not necessary uh, in, in Skype. And whether you're using GarageBand or Audacity, whatever it is, you don't have to necessarily have some editor to throw it to to help you fix some little issue that happens. So I just I want to make sure people don't get scared away like, oh, I need this great software, this great editor to be able to throw it to to use this. You don't. And for most interviews, I think the standard is Skype. 
And it's for that very reason, like you said, lowering the barriers for your guests. Because if you want to get good guests, you need to do that. And plus, you want to lower the barriers for yourself, have a process you can follow time in, time out, just so that it's easier for you, right? Which I know that you have. Totally. Exactly. And that's a good thing to mention about the editors because we're both, I mean, lucky in that way now. But I mean, I did my first 30 something shows myself, taught myself GarageBand, free software in my laptop with Skype that's free software in addition to, I think it's called Line In, which you have to download for Mac and SoundCloud or SoundFlower. And those are all free software. It was all completely free. And I taught myself GarageBand, edited my own. And really, I mean, if you have a decent I mean, the biggest trick with Skype is the, it's the most basic of all computer tricks, right? If we, if you and I, Jared, call each other and the first connection's bad, what do we do? We hang up the call, we try again. Mm -hmm. Usually we'll get a better connection. If it's still bad, we'll both restart Skype. Yep. It's like, and that usually fixes almost every issue. And there's lots of interviews where I go on the first call and it's like, oh, this is a terrible connection. Try it again. We try it again. Perfect. Let's do it. If it sounds good when like, if you sound good to me when I'm talking to you right now through Skype, then the recording's going to come out pretty solid and you don't have to do a lot in post-production. So it's nothing tricks you after. It's not like something pops up later like, whoa, this sounds way worse than I thought. Yeah. And, so. and if you want to be extra safe, you could also have both people record directly into GarageBand on each side, right? And then put those two tracks together, which we tried on one of our recordings. We didn't end up having to use it. I know that's something some people use. I try to not do that just for the simplicity of having everything on the one track, just right. you know, for the efficiency of it. Is that something that you've done or heard positive experiences from from other people who do it that way? Um, I've heard positive, I guess, experience. If if I was like two of us are podcasters, right? So that's nothing for us to do that. Yeah. But to me, with Hack the Entrepreneur, I would never even think to ask my guest to figure that out because yeah. it just it doesn't make sense and again they have half an hour to be on my show it's like we can't take 15 minutes setting up the recording with them it's just i have to get on i have to be taking care of recording i record straight into GarageBand with a backup going to call recorder so that i have two copies in case something goes wrong and it's there will be failure at some point i mean <laughs> i i know that there's probably going to be well probably about a one percent failure rate because i've had one failure already and i'm hitting hundredth episode. So that'll be a 1% failure rate, which isn't that bad for completely free software that's easy to use. And so to me, it's kind of like, just get in your head that Skype works and then stop thinking about that part of it. Yeah. There's so much other stuff in making a good show involved that to me, I just, my brain just doesn't think about things that are unnecessary anymore. Like I'm not like, Oh, I wonder if there's a better way now than Skype. Like it doesn't matter to me. It'll become so prevalent. And so everyone will start using it when this new technology comes out someday that I'll just hear about it and be like, okay, I'll try it out then. But until then it's just like, let's just keep podcasting through Skype recording and making really, really good content yep. because that's, what's going to work. I would say, tell me if you agree with this, and you know, like you said, sometimes you only have a half-hour window to interview, and so you want as little time between when you get on the call with them and hitting record to start the interview as possible. But if you can, it's like when we're hosting episodes of the Assembly Call, I try to get everybody there at least five to ten minutes early so we can do a quick audio check. You know, Make sure your mic's plugged in. Make sure the levels are okay. Make sure that people have headphones in so that there's no feedback. Do you have a checklist of things like that that you go over with yourself or with guests beforehand, if time willing? Not at all. 
Um, do, you think again, it's, do you think it's important to? Um, to me, it's friction, and I don't want that. It just to me, it's daunting for my guests. Really, lots of them have assistants that set up a computer for them to get onto Skype. So if they then saw this, you know what I mean? It just it doesn't make. Yeah. It, um, to me, it's I get on the call immediately, and instantly I can tell if they don't have headphones in or on because I can hear my voice bouncing back, and I'll just be like, "Can you grab headphones?" And they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I have headphones right here on the desk." They put them in, and it's like perfect. Great. We can use almost every laptop now has a pretty decent, actually, microphone built into it. Like you wouldn't want to be the host with that microphone. But as a guest, yeah. it's it really the technology's there. Like it really, really is there. Um, so you're more deal with a problem if it's there, but just proceed assuming everything's going to be OK and and take the detour only if you have to. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm like that in everything, though. So, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't sit here and be paralyzed with the fact that all these things could go wrong today in my next four interviews, one that starts in like 24 minutes. It's, I'll deal with it if it happens, but it probably won't happen. So let's just roll with it because it's fun and it works. Yeah. The technology is amazing. This is all made by brilliant people, all this software. No, Way smarter than me. No, you're right. Well, no, and it's not it's – not, necessarily the technology that I fault. It's just human error that I try that I'm sometimes afraid of. And I agree with you. I think when you're doing an interview with somebody else, it's it's probably best to just to do it that way, proceed like everything is going to be okay. On some type of recurring show, if you can get everybody there a few minutes early just to make sure. Because I just know that when there's a lot of variables, you know, having your mic plugged in, having this or that setting, having all, you know, two or three people's levels kind of the same. If you can do it with with a recurring group of people to where it doesn't create friction that would prevent them from even being on the show in the first place, I like it as just a natural process. But then again, you know, I told you the horror story from before when I did an interview with someone with my mic unplugged. So ever since then, I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been paranoid about just overly checking stuff beforehand. So yeah, and I agree. If there was more people, and like when we do our webinars for the course, right? You and I get on in advance because there is more stuff, especially with a Google Hangout, then video, make sure the lighting, make sure all these, but with just straight audio across Skype, it's really, I just, I call the person and it's either going to sound good or not. And I, like my garage band, literally I drag and like, it just, it's a template already set up for Skype recording. I just have to open up that template, hit record and I'm good to go. And I just save it as the person's name after it's, yeah. It's a very simplified process at this point. Um, so it okay. depends on what you're doing, though. All right, so I've got two more questions for you before we get to our listener question. All right. The first one is, and maybe you already answered this, I mean, you, you, know, you talked about how even computer mics in a lot of cases are good enough for a guest. You know, I've also heard of people who, even just as a thank you for guests, will send them like a $25 headset or you know, it will require certain things. So do you... Do any of that? Do you recommend any of that for your guests? You know, like you should have this or that, or again, you just let it fly, and only if it's below a certain threshold do you even think about it. Yeah, I, I don't do any of that. Again, it's just it's daunting for people. I think, at least in my market, it is daunting for the guest, and they're going to say, they're going to look at all this stuff and be like, I, I'm just going to say no. I'm just going to cancel it and just it's you know what I mean. It. it it's just the way it is, and I, I'm not having issues with it. Um, headsets work well. Headsets work great for recording. I've had lots of guests use headsets, but I'm not going to send them one. I yeah. send them a book after, 
but that's right. Yeah. Um, with like my signature in it and stuff because it builds a relationship. But me setting a headset is like, ugh. it's just. I mean, if I send a headset to somebody, it's going to be at their house, and then they're going to be at work, and they're not going to have it anyways. Or you know what I mean? It's yeah. You can do these things if you really want. If like if you, there's not enough work to producing your your show already, then by all means get into this. But there's a lot of work already, and if your end is good and you have good headphones in, and when that person comes on Skype, if they don't sound good, there's simple ways to fix it usually. Um, and if not, then you can just not release it or not record it right then and tell them let's try again with if it's really that bad which i haven't had that issue but um maybe i'm not as picky as some people but i don't know people keep telling me my show sounds great so well and and probably the place to think about doing that is if you're going to have a recurring guest or a co-host you want to make sure that they have good enough right like like with the guys that i host with on the assembly call you know i'm going to get them set up this season with with better microphones just so that the sound is better and so that's where if you're you know, if you are the showrunner of a show and there are, you know, recurring guests, that's where to think about doing that. I guess that's why I wanted to, where I was kind of leading with that question. And you yeah. kind of, and, and you kind of answered my second question too, which was going to be as you're going through an interview, we've all had this happen where you get the little digital noise in Skype or maybe they're on a phone and their connection starts breaking up because maybe they're driving and they're losing connection. At what point do you stop it? Or say, hey, you know, we got to take a break, or we got to get a better connection, or do you just try and ride it through, especially with a, a one-time busy guest? Yeah, I'll. If it's a one-time busy guest that I really, really need on the show, um, then I will. I'll ignore it as much as I can. I mean, we all listen to the most popular podcasts. We all listen to. We're all so used to right now hearing that little bit of digital breakup sometimes for like two seconds across a voice. We know it's Skype. It's a Skype connection. They're around the world doing it's crazy technology involved and we're just okay with it. And that's totally good. Like it's just part of podcasting at this point. And I don't think that it's a bad thing. Um, I really don't like breaking up the flow of my interview with like, okay, let's stop. It has happened. And sometimes it's happened a couple times during a thing. And I usually don't even end up releasing that episode because it's all us trying to go back, remember exactly where we were. Like it never seems to be right at the beginning of an answer. It's always right in the middle of a good answer. Then they try and repeat themselves Mm -hmm. and... It's, I would rather just go with the flow and, but I also, I have this sheet, um, that I work off of when I'm doing interviews where I'm taking notes always. Right. And so I, I have a giant section of like timestamp places for edits. So when there are little things like that going on, I'll just mark down the time off GarageBand. So my editor can really like notice those parts and be like, okay. And then he'll work to either cut them out. Like we'll see if we can maybe get rid of that question sometimes or else we'll just tighten it up or try and make it as good as we can, but it's, I I like the flow to me. The content is way more important than like once you're at a certain level, the content is so important. The content has to be so engaging. It has to be a real conversation. The more you break that up because it sounds bad, then the sounds great, but the content's all jagged and bad. So I would rather, and I know listening to myself, I would just rather have good, 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 solid conversations recorded, not quite as well or with tiny errors in them here and there. It's just how I, it's podcasting's about the content. Yep. It really is. So I think it's time to get to our listener question, which also means it's time to provide some details about the breaking news that you alluded to earlier. Are you ready? Yes.
Okay, so the listener question for this episode is sponsored by the Showrunner Podcasting Course. And it is sponsored by the Showrunner Podcasting Course because we now have a date for when we are relaunching the course. But this is not yet the full launch to everybody. We are going to be launching the course only to the people who are on the Showrunner email list. It's going to start on Thursday, June 25th. It'll end Friday, July 2nd. There will be one week. It will be going out to the people who are on the list, and you will get the best price that it will ever be available for again, because before we do the big launch later this summer, the price will go up. And so what you need to do is go to showrunner.fm. There is a giant call to action box that you can't miss, and all you have to do is add your email address, get on the list, and not only... Will you be eligible for this soft launch of the of the podcasting course and get the best price? But you'll also get showrunner uh, uh, updates on the showrunner podcast as well. So we're going to have a lot more details coming out about the course and the launch and everything. But we have a date, and we know that it's only going to go to the email list. So we want to give you as much time as you need. And you got a couple weeks, but no reason to wait. Go to showrunner.fm, get on the email list. John, anything that you would like to add? Uh, about the upcoming soft launch of the course? Uh, I guess I could just briefly say what the Showrunner podcasting course is. Oh, yeah. Why don't we? It's your step-by-step guide for developing, launching, and running a remarkable show that builds an audience in the age of on-demand audio content. It is. Awesome. And there's like, what, 200 and almost 250 people in it from the first little mini launch we did. And... The Facebook group is amazing. Just is. that part of it. The course itself is also awesome, but we have this private Facebook group, and it's, wow, such a, an amazing group of people. It is. That community has blown me away. It's my favorite part about being affiliated with the course, and we're really looking forward to adding new people to it. And so, again, we'll have more details about what you can expect from the course, what's in it. We'll have some testimonials so that you know what other people are saying, not just us. All of that is to come. But go to SureRunner.fm and get on that email list. Now on to today's listener question. It comes to us from Darren Dematis, who just launched his own podcast. And I'll put the link to Darren's podcast in the show notes. But he asks a really big question (laughs) that we're only going to be able to give an overview answer. I don't think there's really a way to delve too deeply into this. But when is starting a podcast network the right move? What do you think, John? In terms of a – can you boil that down into a simple answer? I don't think I can. It's not something that has ever crossed my mind. I know it's crossed a lot of people's mind who have failed miserably at it because there's a lot to it. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you happen to be surrounded by a whole bunch of people that you could get to podcast on a sort of like a niche or a topic, but otherwise I don't, I don't know. Um, I've just, I've seen and heard about so many podcast networks over the years that have just, they think they come out with 20 great shows and they all don't really do anything. And the network doesn't really help. And people think that it's this great business model, maybe where I can get of all the shows are all promoting my network. And then I can get sponsors for all of them and make all this money and take a cut off the top. And I just don't know. I mean, the Rainmaker network is completely different. You know, copy blogger has a massive audience and also a lot of brilliant people working within the company that could create really great shows. 
And there already was podcasts around like the lead and Rainmaker, new Rainmaker show, right? I mean, yeah. those were there, those existed. And then it was kind of like, oh, what if we just got more people within the company to make new shows? It's a totally different reason. And that completely makes sense to me. But most people aren't in that situation. Yep. So, and and I, I think the, the error that people make thinking about podcast networks is thinking about them, you know, they think about the, the potential direct profitability from them, right? We'll get this big network, we'll be able to get sponsors, all boats rise. And I think that's a great idea in theory, but I think it's a lot harder to get legitimate, long-term, high-paying sponsorships than people think. Like, I just podcasting just isn't quite there yet. So I think there needs to be more. Like I think the network needs to be built around a goal bigger than just sponsorships, which obviously Rainmaker FM is successful because it is. You know, we mm-hmm. don't need the individual shows to be quote unquote profitable. They don't have to make money because they're leading to the platform. Like it's a vehicle for indirect profit for a bigger entity than the network, and each individual show has a very defined role within that. And so I think the network needs to be about something bigger, and then it needs to offer the shows themselves something more. Because if you're starting a network, you know, presumably it's not a network like Rainmaker FM where everything is internal to a company. Maybe you're, you know, you have a niche like skateboarding or whatever, and you want to bring the eight biggest skateboarding shows together. Is there something bigger? Is there a digital commerce reason why these shows are coming together? Because there's an end game beyond just sponsorships. So I think if you have if you can answer that definitively and have a plan, a network might be the right move. If you can't, I think you're setting yourself up for a lot of work but disappointment with the end result. That'd yeah, be I've never I've never even thought of it in that way. Like with Rainmaker having I mean I know that that's a vehicle for selling, but I mean the platform, but I mean thinking of it would to start another network of that's a great I mean, that is, it's true because the sponsorship, I mean, sponsorship takes a long time, no matter what yep. to get it's, You can't just start and all of a sudden have sponsors, no matter how many shows, because if they're all flailing or just starting, there's still not an audience there. Um, and that being said, I think from every podcast network I know in existence right now, if any other podcasting network in the world would have asked me to join it, I wouldn't have. Um, but I had, I mean, I've been a fan of copy blogger for years. I, totally know and like and trust all of it and what you guys teach and it just made sense and because of the deal that I got structured where like I'm part of the network but only in the most beneficial ways I still get to keep my sponsorships and do all that which is amazing right so it's because people are like why are you joining a network it's like well I'm joining this network (laughs) I wasn't looking for a network (laughs) and I wasn't like just I'm not just joining some guy who's like oh I got a network I'm going to put a whole bunch of your shows together because my show was doing well by itself and I liked the independence but I still totally have my independence so that's a I guess something just a the process behind my thinking of why I even joined a network myself and you want and if you're going to start a network and that's what the question is when is starting a network the right move you got to think about that. You, you're going to need to attract good shows like yours, John. So you have to be able to offer something of value, which Rainmaker FM was able for you. And that's why I think this network is working. Um, yeah. So, And I think if you were starting one, if you had a massive show yourself and you were independent, then you could maybe be like, oh, what if I talk to some other people whose shows aren't doing as well? They might start a network with me and I can obviously use their audiences to help promote my stuff. But people would be willing and wanting to come and be part of your network because you have this massive show and an audience. Yeah. It's the audience. People, that's why they want to join, right? So. Yep. 
Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the section of the show that everybody loves, podcast recommendations. We'll do that next. All right, so John, what podcast recommendation do you have for us this week? Please this don't one, tell me that yellow it's not like some volcanic explosion <laughs> or the world's ending, please. No, this one's way more fun. These a group of four people and they are out of San Francisco and I believe they're on a podcast network. Uh, but this is Road Trip. This is like total amazing road trip podcast and it's called Good Job Brain. And so they have episodes specific to a topic and they um, create like quizzes and they just talk about just all the different ideas around a topic but they also have these ones which they number separately now and we listen to like the high 20s and I think they go into the low 30s of all quiz bonanza they're called so each person uh, each of the four people all comes up with their own small quiz and so They'll ask the questions and then the other three people will be answering. But you also, listening along, get to kind of participate. So it's amazing road trip stuff. So the whole family was like trying to guess stuff and cheering each other on. And they're just, they're super, they're great podcasters, great voices, really energetic. And it's it's a really, really great show. So good job, Brain. All Quiz Bonanzas is where I would start because they seemed a little more upbeat and they kind of change topics. So it kind of keeps you engaged a lot more. Very nice. My recommendation this week comes from the Tim Ferriss Show. And really, I should probably just have to say the two names, and that's all that it should need to get you excited, which is Tim Ferriss and Alex Bloomberg. Alex Bloomberg, of course, uh, Planet Money, This American Life, and, and now with Startup. And it's, it's, the episode is How to Create a Blockbuster Podcast. And it's terrific. And I'm, you know, I know some people feel different ways about Tim Ferriss, and I'm, I don't I'm not a proponent of everything that he recommends, but I do love him as an interviewer. I think he does a great job as a podcast interviewer getting high-achieving people to really open up and give you more than you get when you hear them talk other places. And I loved listening to Alex Bloomberg talk and just talk about storytelling and how to create compelling audio. And it's really, really good. And so give that a listen uh, again, how to create a blockbuster podcast, Tim Ferriss and Alex Bloomberg, and the links for both of these will be available in the show notes uh, when you go to showrunner.fm. And of course, when you do go to showrunner.fm for these show notes, make sure that you sign up on that email list like we told you about earlier. Not only will you get the updates from us, the weekly updates from the Showrunner podcast, and when we do special Showrunner short episodes, but you will be on the list so that when we do relaunch the Showrunner podcasting course, you will have the option to get it at the best price that it will ever be available for. And again, we'll have more details on that coming up. It's been a pleasure talking with you again, John. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm really looking forward to getting the course out to some people again. I am too. I definitely. It's going to be great. Yes, it is. Great. Yes, it is. Well, I know you have an interview to get to. You schedule your time very tight. So uh, I guess I need to let you go. Yeah. No, <laughs> no no secret audio at the end of this one, huh? No secret audio. No, no secret. time. No time. No time. No time. <laughs> Unless it's a whole pod, a whole Hack the Entrepreneur interview. After. <laughs> hey, that'd be kind of fun. We'll just keep rolling and we'll just listen in. We'll be audio voyeurs on your, uh, on your next Hack the Entrepreneur episode. No, no, no. Okay. Go get prepared for your interview. Excellent. I talk, will. Talk to you next week. Take care, Jared. <laughs> All right.